Frosty the Codeman <laughs> was an Angularian soul. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Don't panic, they'll be paid for most of this episode is sponsored by Pier 60 Incorporated. Pier 60 Incorporated knows that the best JavaScript developers hone their skills by listening to JavaScript Jabber podcast. If you're looking for a front-end or full-stack development opportunity helping Fortune 100 companies understand their customers better, email jobs at peer60.com. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 97 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Aaron Frost. Hello. Jameson Dance. Hey, friends. AJ O'Neill. Coming at you live from the wonderful, summery winterland of Provo. Joe Eames. Hey there. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we have a special guest this week, and that is Eric Schofstall. Schofstall, yeah. Coming at you from the even sunnier Phoenix. Oh, nice. Yeah, but it's warm there. I could use some warm. You want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah, uh, I'm Eric. I go by Contra on GitHub. Uh, most other places, actually. Been doing Node for three years. Uh, somewhere around 160 Node modules at this point. Creator of Gulp.js and co-founder of Fractal, which is a consulting and training company. Cool. Wow. So is Gulp.js a project of yours, or is it a project of Fractal's, or is it more so of a community it, effort, or what? It's a project of Fractal. I'm really the only like core contributor to it, though. We publish all of our open source stuff under the company. Okay, but this is under Gulp.js slash Gulp, so... Yeah, uh, licensed under Fractal, um, but it is its own organization and everything. Okay. Gotcha. So do you want to explain briefly what it is? I know uh, most of us are at least familiar with what it does, but... Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how familiar are you guys with uh, node streams? Familiar. Yeah, familiar. Uh, command. I mean, like... there might be people listening that aren't, though, so... Yeah, so Gulp kind of is the streaming imperative versus uh, declarative. So everyone here is familiar with Grunt, right? You define this big JSON config object, uh, and that's supposed to tell... You know, the node stuff, this is my files, this is what I want you to do with the files. Uh, Gulp kind of inverts that, um, and you are actually the one describing, you know, what needs to be done to every file and every step along the way. So the, the stream stuff, everybody kind of emphasizes the stream stuff a lot. It's only a minor part of it. It's really an inversion, uh, though the main uh, decision with that is an inversion of what Grunt is doing. Okay. I so, think I'm more confused. <laughs> for example, with Grunt, you define these big config files, and the way you set up your build or, or the way you set up what you want your your Grunt file to do is by creating objects that have special keys that have values that are also like nested objects. So it's basically you're not writing code that does something; you're setting up a bunch of configuration. Yeah. And with Grunt, you you write functions that do stuff. 
Yeah, with, with Gulp, you just write the code to do stuff, yeah, cool. and uh, Gulp is just a tool to help you write the code to do stuff. Okay. So it's sort of like a framework, I guess, for common tasks or common types of tasks? Yeah, you can call it something like that. So what I want to reduce this to is basically you use stream and promise-like magic to make asynchronous tasks look simpler on a line-by-line structured file. So Gulp actually doesn't use promises. Uh, Some people kind of lump streams and promises together, but they're uh, kind of a completely different thing. So Gulp uses streams as a part of its plugin interface. Gulp itself, actually, the code doesn't really do a whole lot. You've got your source stream and your destination stream, and then you've got a way of defining tasks, and that's pretty much all there is to it. Everything else is a set of guidelines for you know, what's the best way to make a streaming plugin? And the ecosystem kind of takes over from there. Are you using Streams 1, Streams 2, or Streams 3? Right now we're using a mix of Streams 1 and Streams 2, uh, but currently we're trying to get everything over to Streams 2. What's the difference? Can you guys explain to those of us who don't know between Streams 1 and Streams 2? So Streams 1 is what everybody's familiar with. That's what, like, every module is written in. Well... Some people might not know what streams one are. I mean, if, if you're not so, a developer. The streams is just a triggered event. So, like, you you register an event with dot add event listener, which is aliased as dot on. Yeah. And you remove an event with dot remove event listener, which is sometimes aliased as dot off. But I think in the node core module, it isn't in streams one. And so you have an event, like, open. And that lets you know that, like, the file handler's open. Then you have an event like data, data. and that lets you know that you get a chunk. You got a chunk and, of data. And then you have an event like end that lets you know that this stream is complete. And so with streams two, they switch it up a little bit because what happens is when you want to write to a file on the file system, you have to wait for the, the buffer to flush before you start writing another 100 megabytes of file. Otherwise what you do is end up with a vulnerability on your server that's a denial of service attack through memory um, allocation where somebody could write a bogus response to your server that is a gigabyte response, and they can write it to your server faster than your server could write it to the file kind of thing, and then you explode the memory. Or just in general, bad use case, you don't ever check to see if your buffer is, is flushed, and you just keep on stacking on and you run out of memory. So with Streams 2, they changed it up a little bit so that instead of, and I haven't really used it, but like once or twice for like a demo tutorial type purpose, but they use a read and uh, instead of using a data event, they use read and then like on flushed or something like that so that it's easier to do it the right way instead of taking brain effort to do it the right way with checking the buffer queuing. Feel free to correct me, those of you that have used Streams 2 and are more familiar with it. Yeah, so, so I, I think okay. to boil that down a little bit, uh, Streams 1, like you have, let's say we have A and B, uh, we pipe A to B. Streams 1, uh, A just kind of like throws data out and B listens for it. Uh, in Streams 2, B actually reads the data from A um, and has more control over how the reading happens. So I think that's just kind of a simpler way to put it. Streams 2, uh, Isaacs has described it as suck streams. Uh, so streams suck data out of each other instead of throwing data at each other. Beautifully said. I wanted to back up a little bit and talk more about some broader questions about Gulp. 
I mean, Grunt existed when you started writing Gulp, right? Do you want to talk about why you wrote Gulp? Yeah, um, kind absolutely. Of what problems it's trying to solve and what the differences are. Yeah, tell what us we, why you yeah. hate Gulp. Why you hate Grunt? Tell us. Yeah, what was the downfalls with Grunt? Why did you pick to build a whole new, you know, ecosphere of builds in JavaScript? Like, if Grunt was already there. Yeah, why are okay. you saying that the Grunt is the worst thing ever? Yeah, why? <laughs> why do you hate Ben so bad? So. Here's the thing. I don't actually hate Grunt. I think that there are some pros to Grunt. And, you know, I, I used to use Grunt a lot. I've, you know, I've had a lot of experience with it. It was really nice while it lasted, but it's one of those things, like, as a, as a programmer, you just always want things to be the perfect form of it. So, yeah, um, I'm hearing is it's got some cases where it's good, but not enough of them. Good while well, it lasted. Yeah. yeah well, the, the thing is, though, Grunt is a lot better than what was out there at the time, but it could have, it can keep getting better. Um, so I, I like to think of Gulp as like the next evolution of it. How many like times have you had a bug with Grunt as well, where you go in, uh, you try to trace it down and the thing is just, you know, overly complex in my opinion. Um, I think that a lot of people just want something that's simpler, that gives them more control. Um, and, you know, is faster by giving people more control. Uh, they can, you know, say when they want to hit the disk. Uh, when they don't want to, and it just is faster due to that. Cool. So one of the cool things about Grunt, right, is the community's gotten involved, and we have hundreds and hundreds of plugins at this point to where anything I really need to do is mostly already built, and it's just at this point I just have to configure it a bit. So are you guys doing the same kind of thing? Like I, it looks like you guys have some Gulp, Dash, Concat, and some some default plugins. Do you, do you call them plugins, or you know how are you guys doing approaching that? Yeah, so a, a Gulp plugin is really actually just a stream. So the, the plugins aren't only for Gulp. You can use them with any streaming thing. Um, so this, this, the fact that you can just reuse these things wherever, uh, kind of doesn't make them a Gulp plugin, but we still like to call them Gulp plugins, okay. uh, just because they were made specifically for Gulp. But yeah, we, we have a, a plugin ecosystem, but we actually have like this ideology that people shouldn't be making hundreds and hundreds of plugins that you should make plugins only for what's needed, and just use standard JavaScript uh, node practices to do the rest. So what you're saying is you also hate NPM. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I love, it. I love NPM, and that's why, uh, that's why I don't think people should make hundreds of, you know, whatever dash something plugins. It's, it's polluting uh, NPM and creating silos of packages that can't be reused in anything else. Very well said. Very well said. So the other thing that's nice about Gulp, well, one of the other things is your Gulp file is just a node program. You just require modules and you you call them. Grunt kind of abstracts away the the node uh, package system. Like you have load Grunt task from npm, and I don't I don't know. I'm not a Grunt expert, but I've used it enough to to experience a little bit of pain because it throws away all the knowledge I have about how node works. So it, it it's a lot more explicit. In how you set your your grunt or your Gulp files up, and I mean, for me that that's can, a bonus. Some people don't like that, but yeah. So that could be depending on who you are, right? A bonus or a weakness, yeah. Given you know, if if I'm not a Node guy, let's say I'm a back end guy just trying to zip up my front end or something, the abstraction might be appreciated. I don't know. Yeah, so that that's a complaint we get a lot is people say, you know, hey, I'm a designer, I don't you know know Node, uh, and I don't really care about learning it. You know, how do I use Gulp? Um, and this this is a problem we still have. Uh, I know people are working on declarative layers on top of Gulp, and I think that that's going to solve that really well. Uh, I actually have 
a link that I can drop to that. It's called GASP. It's a kind of an experimental project I'm working on. Um, and it just takes a JSON object and then generates uh, all the gulp tasks and all the, you know, plugins and everything in the way that you defined it. Uh, and this lets, you know, a whole new class of people come in and use this without actually having to know Node. Do you think that gulp is any better or worse than Grunt when it comes to that? When it comes to that, so gulp is really bad for designers, and I'll just come out and say that because it, it is code. You have to know how to program to use it. Um, but I think that gulp is so low level that a whole new set of build systems can be built on top of it, like Gasp, or I know a couple of other people who are working on declarative layers. So I think when those start coming out, not only will they be faster than Grunt, but they'll probably be just a lot cleaner and even more declarative than Grunt. So I think that uh, at that point, there won't be any excuse. So you've mentioned faster than Grunt a couple of times. Do you want to talk about what makes it faster? What, what yeah. speeds it up? Yeah, so with Grunt, so let's say we have three tasks uh, for a set of JavaScript files. We want to minify them. Actually, let's say some CoffeeScript files. We want to compile the CoffeeScript, we want to minify it, and then we want to put it in a folder, right? So with Grunt, you actually have to define those two tasks, uh, CoffeeScript compilation and minification, as completely separate things. They take in files and they put out files. So you can see the problem with that is you're hitting the disk uh, a lot more than you need to. Uh, you're reading and writing twice for all the files. So if we have 100 files, you're now doing 200 reads and 200 writes. Uh, when really it should be 100 reads, 100 writes. Hmm. So you end up with this whole mess of temp files on disks, and I'm sure everybody's experienced this. I like to call it grunt hell. We have all these temp folders that you're writing to and cleaning up when you're done, and you're just moving files around, and there's there's a lot of file system state you have to you know watch out for when you're using grunt. And I think Gulp solves that by doing everything in memory, so you're actually not uh, doing as much I.O., and that's why it's faster. Hmm. So we're going back to like the whole make and GCC optimized in memory compiling. I like it. Yeah, I like that too. I, I, I didn't know that that's what it did, but that's actually, I can see how that could be wicked fast by comparison. I think Grunt gets a bad rap a lot of times for speed. So that definitely is faster, not having to write a bunch of files. A lot of the speed problems come from the specific plugins as well, though. So if you use a faster plugin, your stuff will be faster. And that's common to Gulp and Grunt. Yeah, that's that's definitely a problem, no matter what system you're using. But yeah, having it optimized around streams solves a lot of problems, especially if you have a lot of steps that your your builds go through. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the more steps you have, the faster Gulp is going to be than Grunt, is what it boils down to. Oh, I just saw Aaron posted in chat, Gulp Grunt. There's also a Grunt Gulp. What do you think about that? So people can call Grunt tasks from Gulp or Gulp tasks from Grunt. Yeah, so uh, I've been talking with some people. There's an organization called Node Task that kind of is about interop between build systems. So we've been talking about it, and there's actually been some blog posts, too, of people using Gulp within their Grunt plugins to make it faster. Um, so I, I'm all for that. If people want to use Gulp uh, inside of their Grunt plugins to make it faster, please, it's open source, uh, anything, just use it. But how do you personally feel about that? Do you think that's a good idea? Uh, I think if you really are stuck on Grunt uh, and you want to make it faster, if you want to use Gulp inside of it, I have no problem with it. I think there could be even a future where Grunt was rewritten to operate on top of Gulp. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what if, I mean, what if these Gulp plugins are just, you know, stream-based plugins, and what if people use that declarative 
um, layer that is grunt on top of your gulp stuff, would that be a really, really bad thing? No, absolutely not. And that, that's what I meant earlier. People are already working on, on declarative layers on top of it. I think that it makes it more accessible. The problem with grunt is really not the declarative layer. It's, it's the way that it was designed in terms of uh, the way that it functions and the way that its tasks work. Uh, one of the big problems I have with Grunt is there's no difference between a plugin and a task. They're the same thing, essentially, and I think that that's wrong. What do you mean? Can you talk more about that? Yeah. Yeah, so when you have an Uglify plugin or task in Gulp, they're, or sorry, in Grunt, they're kind of the same thing. You can not really use Uglify in multiple places. You, It's kind of one thing. Like You specify all the input files and all the output files. There's no distinction between multiple things that you would want to use that for. Gotcha. So, you, like, um, they kind of mitigate that through putting different targets inside the Uglify target itself, right? Like having sub-targets. Do you guys, you, you guys get around that just by, I require the, the Uglify plugin and then I use it wherever I want. That's how you guys get around having that limitation. Yeah, there, there's no limitation with Gulp because uh, it's just a standard node module that you can reuse uh, and you can define tasks. So the plugins and tasks are completely uh, separate entities. Mm, that's true. I can see that too. So one of the things that I really like about Grunt is that the whole uh, like target convention, naming convention type thing where you can specify a single target or multiple targets or multiple in and multiple out type of stuff. They kind of have the standard way of dealing with it so that I don't have to quite do so much configuration. Does Gulp have anything analogous to that? Uh, for doing... Uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, let's say concatenation. Well, that one's... you know Normally you think, oh, I'm only going to concatenate to one file, but you might want to concatenate to multiple files. Or if you want to, say, bring in 20 files and, say, uglify each of them separately, but not... Then you want 20 output files. Yeah, right. so that that's one of the things that is really great about just using standard node stream stuff is that these tools already exist and they're not specific to Gulp. Uh, so uh, utilities for forking streams, rejoining streams, all that's already there. Uh, so that, that control flow at the stream level already exists within the node ecosystem. So uh, we didn't have to reinvent any of that. It's there for everybody to use. Gotcha. You're definitely saying it's more flexible. Would you say that it's uh, easier than it is? Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's a lot more flexible. Uh, in terms of ease, it de- depends who's asking. So this goes back to the declarative uh, versus imperative stuff for defining c- control flow. I think it's easier. Uh, people who are really sold on declarative stuff may not, um, and that's where I think that these declarative layers are going to come in and kind of change those minds. Gotcha. Why did you choose to go with non-declarative? Um, because I'm a programmer, uh, and I like to write code and not config. Uh, I think writing config is just kind of very tedious. Um, and as a programmer, I also like to have control over everything. So I think that not like how many times have you found yourself programmatically generating your grunt file? Uh, most of our grunt files were actually just code generating the grunt file for all these different things, uh, just due to the limitations of declarative stuff. So I think that by going with imperative, it gives you just a whole new level of control and freedom to do what you want with your stuff. I truly appreciate the disdain with which you made that statement. I'm a programmer. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of picture you then following that up with, I threw it on the ground. (laughs) I hope that you like our trolling. It's all in good fun. Yes. Oh, I love trolling. I'm I'm the biggest troll there is. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, I guess I kind of got that already. I'm a big fan of Gulp. I, it fits my brain better than Grunt. I don't want to say that it's better than Grunt, but for me, that's because your pants works better. Does that mean that it's egg shaped? I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, I'm looking at a picture of your head. So I guess we, we've talked a little bit about how it's uh, set up through code and kind of geared toward people who want to write code for their tasks, and it takes advantage of streams which I'm still a little bit fuzzy on, but I'm going to go read the Substack stream handbook that is listed on the Gulp page. Are there any other major advantages to using Gulp over Grunt? Uh, So I think just to boil down what we've talked about, it's easier for some people and soon to be easier for all people. Uh, It's a lot faster and it gives you more control. Those are my top three. Uh, I think that there's a lot of stuff in the ecosystem, like we're really strict on our plugins. Uh, like we will blacklist your plugin if it's not good. Uh, so you can be sure that our entire ecosystem is very cohesive uh, and good. So I think that other than blacklist. that, it's just personal preference. So I love that you use words like right and wrong and good and bad. Cause so many people come on the show and they're all like PC, PC, PC. And I'm all like, Heck yes, like just say it like it is for once. <laughs> so, um, I have a question, kind of, I'm kind of have a grunt background. So, grunt has this idea where, um, they have a, like a, a, the CLI, which allows you to have multiple, like, so you have the global CLI and then per project you install your, that, you know, your specific instance of, of grunt and that allows you to have multiple instances of, of grunt runnable on the same machine. Does Gulp have something for the same thing so that when I upgrade one of my projects to the latest version of Gulp, I don't have to upgrade like retroactively all my older projects to the latest version of Gulp? Like what do you guys what's your guys' plan on that? Yeah, we we have that. Um so your local so we don't use a Gulp dash CLI thing like Grunt does. You still install Gulp globally. But uh we we do support that still. Um so your your global Gulp version is your CLI. That's all it's used for. Uh, and you're, it just runs whatever's in the local folder, uh, the same one as your gold file. So you can maintain two separate versions. Uh, if you need a new feature uh, on the CLI, you can update your CLI for that. Uh, but the actual local gulp is completely separate. So when you say local gulp, are you talking about gulp util or do I install gulp globally and locally? Globally and locally. Gotcha. Okay. Gulp Util, if I understand it right, is more for people writing plugins. It's not required to just run Gulp. Yeah, and we're, we're getting rid of that soon. Uh, that was just something to hold us over until we had the acceptance test completed. Cool. So the, I, I've never seen a library where I install it globally and locally. That's kind of cool. I like um, that makes it easier to explain on how to install. So that's cool. Um, I was talking to a couple people that use Gulp. And they like it. They had a couple, uh, I guess, complaints or questions. One of them was about errors in tasks and Gulp's behavior in that case. Do you want to like get into nitty gritty stuff like this, or? Yeah. So that that's one thing that we're having a lot of issues with right now is error management. Mm-hmm. Um, and I we have some smart people uh, working on it. Rob Richardson, the guy who basically wrote the entire task system. Uh, so the task system is actually a module called Orchestrator. And that's where you define your tasks and it works out like the dependency graph and everything and runs everything with maximum concurrency. Um, so that's where all the error management is as well. So I think that 
while we are having trouble with it uh, right now, the next version of Orchestrator should handle everything, you know, really great. And I think that that's not going to be an issue in the future. Do you have a timeline on that? So he's working on it on a branch right now. I haven't really pestered him about a timeline. Um, so currently we're doing, uh, like, you can wrap your streams and stuff to handle the errors. Um, but I'd like there to be better handling in core. Um, I'm not sure exactly when. I would say at least by the end of February. When you say you can wrap your streams, you just mean the default, like, on-air listener stuff in, in node streams? Yeah, so you can either li- uh, listen for the error event, or you can wrap... There's a module called multipipe, and you that actually, like, replaces the dot .pipe keyword to... Uh, so not only do streams emit error events, but when they uh, encounter an error, they'll emit an unpipe event, which is a huge problem uh, for what we're doing because that causes all everything upstream to stop sending data. So what multipipe does, and there's some other modules like Gold Plumber, is actually block that unpipe event. Um, but what we want to do is make sure that our plugins don't emit that event. Uh, so we've actually altered our plugin guidelines for that, and we're making sure that everybody uh, gets up to date and we get rid of that. Cool, that makes sense. So if somebody wants to contribute to Gulp, what do they need to do? Yeah, so we actually have a really great document for that. We have, uh, I know Jason Denizak, if anybody knows him, Jden on mm-hmm. Twitter, wrote this really great contribution guideline document. Uh, so it actually is kind of a boilerplate for you know telling people how to contribute, and we can list what we want here, code of conduct, communication, frequently asked questions, all that kind of stuff. So documentation is a huge thing that we need help with. Everybody loves to submit pull requests, but nobody ever wants to document anything. I think that programmers just hate writing documentation for some reason, me included. Uh, so our, our docs are kind of lacking. Recipes, blog posts, just any documentation would be appreciated. Uh, so if you would like to contribute docs, uh, we're open to pull requests. That's awesome. So that'd so, be a good way to maybe get started if you're not super comfortable just diving in and writing code, is starting with docs. Yeah, so we, we actually have a section of docs called recipes. Um, and these are just like, hey, I used Mocha with Gulp. Like, here was a task that I used it in. And like, let me explain why I did a couple of things. So that way people can just say, okay, I want to use Mocha. Let me go look at the recipes and go find one for Mocha. Um, and it'll explain in depth, like, you know, why they did what they did, how to use it, stuff like that. So I think that uh, recipes are really great for beginners and we need more of those. So if you're using Gulp, go put your tasks on the recipes list so other people can see them. Cool. Are there any questions that you wish we had asked you about Gulp that we didn't? Any, like, um, just, just softballs that you want to knock out of the park? So somebody asked about blacklisting earlier, I think. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, so we're really strict on our plugin authors, and I think that it's turned out great for us. We actually have like extremely strict guidelines that we call our plugin guidelines, but we're also uh, going to have acceptance tests soon that will actually score every single plugin based on the plugin guidelines. So anything that is below a certain threshold will not show up on the plugin search, and we also can manually blacklist plugins to make sure that people only discover the good plugins uh, that we kind of, I wouldn't say approve, but say that they're like high quality and they do what they're supposed to do correctly. So you're obviously not talking about NPM then. There's some other kind of search to, to no, find this so, Yeah, so we have our own plugin search. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to install a plugin or put whatever you want, gulp dash, like crappy thing on NPM, you're totally free to do that. I can't stop you. Um, but in our plugin search, we don't want to show duplicate plugins. 
really bad ones that shouldn't be Gulp plugins like Gulp Connect or something or Gulp Require JS when you could just use those modules directly. Mainly because we don't want to create, we're really, really trying hard not to make a silo of stuff that like is just worthless abstraction over stuff that's perfectly fine as node modules. And I think that Grunt kind of created like this whole thing of hundreds of modules that aren't really useful outside of Grunt. Um, and we're trying not to do that. So I, I do agree that it's kind of weird how like it, it feels like for everything you have to have a grunt module. And a lot of times it's just like, okay, so I take this boilerplate that I've copied and pasted and now I'm just going to change the name of this module for this module kind of thing. I mean, it's like really, really, really short and simple, but maybe it would have been easier just to use the module directly like what you're saying. Yeah. So like require JS, for example, pretty much our, our basic guideline is don't make a plugin for something that can't deal with like, you know, in memory files coming in. So like require JS, for example, uh, their API does not let you just say, Oh, here's a file, you know, compile it, uh, just due to the, uh, the way that it works. Uh, you actually just give it like a folder and it'll go through and compile everything. So obviously, you know, a gold plugin is not a good, uh, fit for that. So anytime somebody goes and publishes gold require JS, we go open issues and say, why'd you do this? You know, da da da. Uh, if they don't listen, then we'll, you know, resort to blacklisting it uh, just to keep those bad actors out of the ecosystem. That's really interesting to me because I know NPM has been talking about um, some kind of tools to make discovery easier on modules. So there's a trillion billion modules. I don't know what the number is right now. But the metrics we're finding which ones are good are basically like how many stars on GitHub does it have? Um, and they've been talking about doing things with like automated testing or some kind of social thing where some people's stars count more than others and stuff like that. But it sounds like you guys are the first people that I know of that are actually doing it. Curating. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of curating it. I mean, we, we don't just come out and say, Oh, this plugin sucks. Like we think it's stupid. You know, you're not allowed on our website, but we do say, you know, this plugin doesn't work or like it has too many bugs, you know, it just shouldn't be a plugin. Uh, and those are our requirements. Uh, so I think that acceptance tests in that way. So right now we're doing everything manually, but we do have like a table set up uh, and I linked that as well. Uh, gulp.js slash acceptance on GitHub. So we have all these different criteria that we can actually just go through your code and statically analyze if you're doing any of these things. So I, I don't know how NPM would enforce something like this for all modules, but I think for gulp we're able to do it because we know what's right and wrong for plugins. Hmm. So, yeah, like, for example, if you console.log something, that's you get a deduction, five points. Uh, you should use the gold util log. That way people can trace everything through. Uh, if your stream doesn't behave correctly, you get points off. There's a couple of things there. If you use colors, the module, you get points off because that overrides the global stream prototype, which is bad. We just Dude. have all sorts of different criteria like this. Dude, this is awesome. I love that. That is so awesome. Can you change them? from points to, like, demerits or something. Just some, like, goony arbitrary unit. That'd be cool. Yeah, the, the deduction points right now are actually demerits. totally arbitrary. I just, like, oh, this looks kind of severe. Oh, 10, I guess, 5, 1. Uh, I think that we're, we're no, probably we, we just going to get rid of the point system and they'll just be, like, 1 deduction, 5 deduction, something like that. Yeah, well, that's what we want is a cool name. It's not, it's not like how many of the points are that's arbitrary. We want the name to be something arbitrary. Yeah, demerit. That sounds great. Like demerit or gorgonts or <laughs> pestles or, I don't know. I'm not really good at is available for hire if you're looking for branding, basically. That's what he's trying to say. 
Yeah, we could name it something awesome. <laughs> if anybody anybody out there, if you have any word suggestions, please pull requests. I'm all oh, any new word. It doesn't even have to be real. Maybe we could call it stools. Like you get five stools for doing something bad, and like ten stools for doing something like mega bad. Stool. I mean, it's applicable. <laughs> all right well if we're done talking about crap never done we just wait <laughs> to talk about it until later. so i'm actually pretty excited about gulp as well it looks like it i feel like it serves some developers better than grunt does and i feel like um grunt may serve other people better as well now i'm excited that gulp plugins are built to um, be easily runnable in grunt and hopefully i think gulp's existence will ultimately I don't think it will push Grunt out. I think it will make Grunt be better, which will also make Gulp Stripe to be better. So I'm actually excited we have a second option that's wicked powerful because I think it will ultimately push both of them to become better products. So this is cool. I'm excited. Awesome. Here, here. Any any other questions or comments before we get to the picks? Is there like a favorite tutorial tutorial of yours out there about, about using it, learning it? Yeah, so there's there's a Lara. I don't, how do you pronounce this? Lara cast? something um that is they have a very cool gulp thing it's a video tutorial um so it's laracast l-a-r-a-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash lessons slash gulp dash this um and they, they have a really good uh tutorial up there i like it a lot so i think that if you are interested in learning it uh go check that out we also have a list of tutorials and the documentation uh lots of blog posts and stuff in there so if you're interested just go check out the list my friend Murphy just did a presentation on Gulp, and it was really good. He has his slides up, and I think his slides are even built with Gulp, so it's kind of like a dog fooding thing. Um, <laughs> so I can put a link to that stuff in the show notes. Yeah, great. Uh, if you want to add it to the docs as well, uh, we have the list of articles and stuff. Awesome. Sounds rad. All right. Well, let's do the picks. Joe, do you want to start us off with the picks? You bet. So my first pick is going to be a book. Um, I just read The Fault in Our Stars by some guy. He's a really popular author. I can't remember his name. I didn't read it because of him. I read it because my daughter dared me to. And uh, it was actually a really good book. It was kind of hard to read a little bit because it was a little bit uh, brutal, but it was uh, also really hard to put down. So I really liked that book. I know they're making a movie of it. I'm sure they're going to dis- absolutely destroy it. So that's too bad. But So read it before it gets ruined is what you're there saying. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I also want to uh, pick an iPad game called Castle Doombad. It's like a tower defense type game where you run like a... you stolen the princess and all the heroes are coming to save her and you have to kill them all before they get to her. <laughs> it's really quite fun. And then my third and final pick will be the new uh, 24 TV show that was revealed during the Super Bowl. Uh, I always liked 24 when it was on TV, so I'm totally jonesed for a new 24 TV show. Awesome. Jameson, what are your picks? Okay, I have two picks. The first one is an album. I feel like it's tradition. Um, It's by this artist called Clark. It's called Totem's Flare. And it's also by tradition, weird electronic-ish stuff. I've just, I don't know been trying to branch out and find new stuff and this has been some good programming music my second pick is a talk by ellen k called normal considered harmful ellen k is uh one of the like wise elders of computer science it's been around forever i think he was didn't he invent small talk i might be showing my ignorance here i think he was involved in small talk 
this talk is about how in lots of other fields, you are required to know what has gone on before, before you start producing new stuff. So like physics, you know about Einstein's discoveries and, and kind of the bedrock that you build your work on. And in computer science, we just reinvent the wheel all the time. And it, it's some good stuff. So those are my two picks. Awesome. Frosty, what are your picks? So um, I'm going to pick House of Cards. It's um, one of the Netflix original series. And uh, season two comes out Friday. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Uh, I've always like secretly backed this organization. like Not backed, but hoped they would stop sucking. And having a new CEO, I think, might help. So I'm excited for Satya Nadella. And I hope that uh, Microsoft can uh, maybe pivot with a new CEO. But then also last night was TechCrunch had their second annual Crunchies Award ceremony, and John Oliver was the host, and it was hilarious. So if you guys get a second, he kind of roasted all the attendees, and it was pretty hilarious. But we'll, I'll put a link so you guys can go check it out. But those are my three picks. Awesome. AJ, what are your picks? So first, I'm going to pick straight cologne because <laughs> I used to use it. And it was formerly only available in like Turkey or something and then countries that bought it from there. And I, for funsies, looked it up on eBay today and found that there's some dude selling it out of Greece to the U.S. And so I'm totally going to get some because when I used to live in Albania, that's the stuff that I bought because it smelled really good. And most of the other stuff was just like alcohol with food coloring and like maybe a flower petal put in or something to make it smell not exactly like alcohol. So if you're into trying a Greek cologne, I'd recommend straight. Also, I guess this is kind of like a no brainer, but for some reason I hadn't thought of this before, but you can use these services that will translate from a phone number and tell you which carrier that phone number is from. So instead of always paying the two cents, or the one cent for a, a Twilio to send a text message, you could actually do it via email and send it for free for like most people. Cause most people are either on AT&T, Verizon, Sprint or T-Mobile. And then the other couple people that are using like Google voice or Twilio or like some sort of other automated slash computer integrated system that you'd still have to pay like the monies on Twilio. But anyway, so I made a little node module for that that I'll have up very shortly. Awesome. Caveat on that, that's in the U.S. Some of the foreign carriers don't do the email to text. Oh, yeah, the, the gateways. That's true. Just putting that out there. Anyway, I don't have any picks. I've been sick the last day or so, and I, I guess I, I'll pick antibiotics because I'm feeling better today <laughs> than I was yesterday. I Modern medicine. <laughs> good pick. So, uh, I anyway. pick Science. Science. Yes! We love science. Eric, do you have some picks? Yep. Uh, I've got three, actually. Uh, only one is serious. So I'll start out with that. Nodeschool.io, if anybody has heard of it, they have a good uh, stream adventure, it's called. It's a command line learning utility for learning how to use streams. And basically, they start you off from knowing nothing and work you up to knowing how to be a stream guru, like piping requests through tar streams and just really cool stuff. Uh, so that's nodeschool.io, Stream Adventure. And my second pick is a Fedora Parkour Dubstep Remix, and I just think it's funny, so that's one of my picks. 
My oh, third pick is a video by a, a very fine fellow named Brandon Wirtz called Node.js is Stupid, and if you use it, so are you. <laughs> and I've it's, read that before. It's a really great rant that makes no sense about how non-blocking means you don't write to the hard drive uh, and all sorts of other fun quotes. Uh, so I'll let you all dig through that and figure out what the best quotes are because there's hundreds of them. Dude, I actually watched that, and that was wicked painful. Yeah, so th- there's actually a whole ecosystem of dubstep remixes of that video. Oh, um, really? So I don't, I don't know if I'm legally able to post some of those links. Uh, I definitely won't put them as any of my picks, but if anybody's interested, contact me. <laughs> You're part of the underground Node.js dubstep remix market. Yeah, there there is one. So if you're interested in joining or you just want some of the content, join Node.js Dubstep Remixes on Freenode. That's funny. Awesome. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap the show up. Thanks for coming, Eric. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good job, Eric. All right, well, uh, I guess we'll end the show. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>